Well, we are back in Ephesians. We've had a couple of weeks off. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary. And last week with baptizing a whole group of people, which, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, this is going to be kind of a downer. After those two weeks, we're really good. So this is kind of back to the norm. Just, you know, relax. But hey, can I brag on you for just a minute before I start? And it's this. Um, If there is a proper way to be proud, I'm proud of you. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is true, as I understand it, for the history of this church, 75 years. I don't know who comes up with these kind of things, but it's been written that a mark of a healthy church, that one that looks outside of itself, is that it gives away, basically tithes on what comes into the general fund to, to do the operating expenses, that they give away at least equal to 10% of what comes in. And I'm proud of you guys and brag on you because you realize that you give away what's equal to 33% of what comes into the general fund. I'm telling you, that's unheard of in a church. So God bless you. I really mean that. We get to deal, continue to deal with an exciting text in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 13 through 15 as we continue this study of the armor of God. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We've been dealing with this text in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and here he begins to describe the warfare of the believer. Spiritual armor as well that the Lord has provided for us to fight this battle. Quick review, what have we learned so far? The first thing we need to know for sure is if you are a believer, you're in a war. And it affects your mind and your heart. We also know that not only are we in a war, but we have an enemy. We have a very personal enemy. His name is Satan. He and the demonic realm are a significant adversary. His name, Diabolos, diabolical. Scripture tells us that he's a liar. He's the father of all lies. What else have we learned? We've discovered that the more that we begin to move in and press in toward God and believe and walk in who we are in Christ, the more we're going to be opposed. What do we do? Step one, put on the belt of truth. You've got to have it. In fact, Every other piece of armor that we're instructed to put on is going to lock into this belt. It's necessary, but I can't walk into that alone. And the belt of truth was this. 
an unashamed, abandoned commitment. Absolute commitment to the walk of faith. But if that's all I have is this unbridled commitment and I run into the battle, I'm going to get nailed. Step two, the next thing I need to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, the second half of it. What does a breastplate protect? Remember in the physical, it went from here all the way down to here. It represents my vital organs, my heart, my stomach, everything internally. But for the Jewish mind, Paul, of course, writing from that perspective, and for those who would have that mindset in his audience, when they thought of their mind, their thinking, and his feelings of our emotions is what's being protected here. Two places that our enemy attacks us, right? Our thoughts and our emotions. Satan's first line of attack is this. He wants to keep you ignorant of it, but if you do become aware of it, he wants to keep you apathetic, even to buy this lie. So, I think Pastor Tim said, if I'm really into my relationship with God, I'm going to get nailed. So, I should just back off and coast, and you would be defeated. By the way, I spoke with somebody uh, last week, and I think they were spot on in the community we live in. As a believer, it's easy to coast. If you're coasting, he's already won. Second line of attack that he will use on this sincere, I am all in believer, is as I said a moment ago, to run into the battle with nothing but the belt. Result? Whammo! Now hopefully, when in that great enthusiasm you charged into the battle and you got nailed, Hopefully, you were able to shake it off, not lose your commitment, but realize there's got to be something more. I need some other stuff. Yet, as I pointed out last time, with each piece of armor that we put on, Satan will counterattack or counterfeit that attack. So, I put on the breastplate of righteousness all, but if I put on the breastplate of my own righteousness, I'm in trouble. Listen, so much of the turmoil that we go through is basically it's because we really don't live lives of faith. By, by, by that I mean simply in the, more, in the midst of warfare, believing that what God said about you is true. That's why Paul spent three chapters talking about it. To not believe what he said about you is true is to not walk in faith. The only thing that is going to protect your heart, your mind, your emotions is by faith receiving all that he has already provided for you, specifically here the righteousness that Christ has given to you, placed upon you. To be able to take that, rest in it, that's where victory comes. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. 
And if you're ever not sure what that list is, just go into the coffee room. And as you get some coffee, step back and recognize your heritage. In Christ you are. And we have 13 things listed up there just out of these chapters to remind yourself, this is who I am. 1 Corinthians 5.21, also written by Paul, says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Put it on. Put it on. You are, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are today the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. Nobody said you could do it. Nobody said you could earn it or had to earn it. Ephesians 1.4, before the foundation of the world, He chose us to be holy and blameless before Him. He made you that way. Believe it. By faith, receive it, put it on. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, Satan is beaten by believing. I want you to remember that. Satan is beaten by believing God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here we are. We've got the belt. We're committed. We're ready. We're all in. We put on the breastplate of His righteousness, not mine. Resting in His righteousness that Christ has given to me, placed on me, protecting my heart, my mind, my emotions. Guess what? Just like the belt of truth is not enough to successfully wage battle, the breastplate of righteousness is not enough either. Even the two together is not enough. We need, Paul says, to put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 5, excuse me, Ephesians 6, 15. Next piece of equipment. Your feet are to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. New American Standard reads, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, let's start to take this apart by looking at this word used for preparation or readiness. Believer, the next thing you want to do is make your feet ready to be prepared. It's literally what this word means. Make your feet equipped. Prepare them. Make them ready. Prepare your feet for war so that when it comes, you can stand. Now, unless we get a clear picture of what Paul is dealing with here, it's going to be hard for us to transfer the importance of having my feet prepared for warfare. So to get there, we always need to start with what did the people that Paul wrote this to, how did they hear this? How did they understand it? What were they picturing? In those days, because of the way of life in which they lived, your footwear was a very necessary piece of equipment for your life. It wasn't fashion. If you have a job where you're on your feet all day, you're going to relate to this. They didn't have the carpeting and padding that we do. They didn't have nice paved streets like we do. 
They walked on stony ground. They walked on ground that was full of thorns and thistles. And their feet could get pierced easily if they walked outside without something proper on their feet. Without something on their feet, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because if your feet are not protected, you're not able to stand. Amen. You're not going to be able to walk. You're not going to be able to go anywhere. For Paul, to those he wrote to, every shoe has a purpose, has a function in mind. And this is especially true when it comes to warfare, to battle. So regarding this specific piece of armor, when a Roman soldier went out to war, he didn't go barefoot. He didn't go out with just anything on either. He went out with something that was specifically designed to give them the ability to stand firm when the warfare came. They needed shoes specifically designed to help them. And in those days, one of the things that the enemy would do as this invading army would come in, they would place razor-sharp spikes in the ground. Try to camouflage them so that as you walked in, your bottom of your feet would get pierced with them. See, they knew you pierce the feet, person's done. So the Roman soldiers would come in. If they walk, like if you can't stand, you can't walk, you're, you're, you're over. At a minimum, you're ineffective. And that's exactly what happened, to, what happened to these Roman soldiers. And so they created these thick thick-soled boots, and then they added on the bottom of them these small spikes. They became known as hobnailed boots. Google it. You can find it. Get a picture of it. Don't do it now, though. Because of the thick leather, it lasts a long time, hard for something to press through it, and then the little metal nail sticking out of it gave excellent traction and enabled a soldier to stand firm in every situation that they might find themselves in. These shoes for a Roman soldier were a vital piece of his armor. I want to point something out here that I think is very important. It's probably you've already noticed it. But I want you to be sure that you don't miss it. Three times in our text, in this section, it says, stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Nowhere does it talk about running into battle. It says, stand firm. In terms of doing our warfare with Satan... With the powers of darkness, I don't think it's wise to go running looking for a battle. Chasing after him, trying to figure out what he's going to do next. Here's why. What you and I are called to do is follow hard after God and move toward him. Consider the things that he would have us to be doing and to walk in a worthy walk. If you're doing that, believe me, you won't have to go looking for the enemy. But when he does come, we're to stand there, firm. That's what we're called to do, to stand firm, to resist the devil. Guess what? Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. May seem like a little thing, but I want to add it to this whole concept of this warfare, this whole armor of God. 
What is it exactly that I'm supposed to put on my feet? What is it that's going to protect me and give me the ability to stand firm when the enemy rises up against me? Answer, basically this, the gospel of peace. That's what's going to protect me and give me the ability to stand, feet firmly planted. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to be there for a little bit, so if you really want to follow along with this, you've got to turn there. Romans chapter 5. And I trust that as we go through this, I hope that some things kind of explode for you and maybe you see them in a way you haven't seen before and how it applies to this piece of armor. In Romans 5, verses 6 through 10, we have described for us the condition of mankind without Christ. In verse 6, we're told that without, without God, we're weak and ungodly. Verse 7 tells us that without Christ, we are unrighteous. Before the life of Christ comes to us, to someone, verse 8, we're sinners. Verse 9, we're unjustified, unsaved, and objects of God's wrath. Then, in verse 10, it sums up the whole thing basically with this. Without Christ, you are enemies of God. God is not on your side. I mentioned this before, but I just want to help you out. There's no middle ground. There's no fence. You're either in one kingdom or the other, period. The basic status of mankind without a personal relationship with Christ is that he is at odds with God. Without Christ, God the Father is my enemy, and I am his. When I become a Christian, the whole thing flips upside down. That is why on this Sunday morning, when I recognize that I'm predominantly speaking to believers. I want to say this to you. Listen, friend, you have a new enemy. But it's no longer God. You've been reconciled to God. You have a new enemy. And you are now doing warfare with the one who used to be your father. That is Satan. We need to understand that. Back in Romans 5, verse 10, which sums up this whole thing, it says this, For if while we were enemies, something happened, and God said, I want to make something available to these people so that they can be reconciled, so we don't have to be enemies anymore. He says, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more? Having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Here's some good news. Good news of the gospel of peace is this. There was a time when you and I were at war with God. But now in Christ, we are at peace with God. Put it a different way. You are no longer at odds with God. If you are in Christ, God is not your enemy anymore, ever. 
But very simply, God is on your side. Very simple terminology. God is on my side. Nudge your neighbor, wake him up and say, hey, God's on your side. Go ahead, I'll wait. This morning, as I get to the privilege of sharing with you a a message, something that gives me great confidence as a believer in life, yes, but also specifically in the context of warfare, spiritual warfare. Something that gives me confidence is realizing that God is not working against me. God is working with me, for me. He's working on my behalf. Simple, basic truth that every believer here should know. Here's the tragedy. There are believers here today who haven't put that on yet. And when life is going hard, the enemy comes and lies, or you've listened to life so long where you think God is out to get you. God's beating you up. If you're taking notes, I just remind you, I'd go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Remind yourself the war is over. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The war is over. God is on your side. This is a resounding affirmation. No longer enemies with God. There's been reconciliation. God is at peace with you. He's on your side. He's got nothing against you. In order for you and I to stand firm against the movements of Satan in our life, we have to put that on. What that looks like is basically this. When Satan begins to move against you and lies about who you are, even this morning, lies about your worth, lies about your value, lies about your relationship with people, lies about your relationship with God, whatever, however he's moving against you, we need to stand firm in the truth that God is on your side. Not standing firm in your own strength because you're not strong enough. Not standing firm in your firm commitment because even that will falter. Not standing firm in your own righteousness because You're just not that righteous on your own. I don't care how long you've walked with God. If you're putting your foot on those things, you are going to slip and crash. I need something to put on my feet so that I can stand in the battle with the enemy of my soul and not be moved. I hope you hear, you can be doing it all right. The battle will come, right? The attacks of the enemy will come. 
the fact that they're coming be of good cheer. It means He wants to take you out. You're a threat. What enables me to stand firm is I have to put on the right shoes. Shoes that the king has provided me for times of battle. They are made of this. God is on your side. God is on my side. He has made peace with me. He's not moving against you. I need to rest in that. I need to stand firm in that fact. And that brings us right back to something I mentioned just a few minutes ago. Each battle in spiritual warfare is won by believing. Do you have that? The battle is won by believing. This morning, right now, we need to reaffirm the fact, the fact that God is at peace with you. Nothing can change that. Listen, spiritual warfare predominantly is a truth encounter. Write it down. Spiritual warfare is a truth encounter because the enemy comes as the father of lies and even if he twists it a little bit to trip you up, I've got to know the truth to fight back. I can admit, in fact, it's a good thing to admit that I'm weak. Very countercultural, isn't it? Paul boasted in his weaknesses, bragged about his weaknesses and failings because he learned that that is when Christ shows his power and strength in him. I can admit the fact that I'm inconsistent. I can admit the fact that I can't win, but I know who is on my side. And because of that, I know that I cannot lose. Romans 8. Ooh, good stuff. Turn to Romans 8. I hope you're familiar with Romans 8. I believe that this particular text underscores this whole concept with bold truth. In light of today's study, I hope it opens up your mind a little bit to this passage. It did for me. Find verse 31, Romans 8. What shall we say then of these things? If God is for us, the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, He is for you. If God is for us, who will oppose us? Well, well, just let your mind go. Who's going to move against you? Satan, the demonic realm. He's talking about warfare here. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, God the Father did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now he asks another question, verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Hey, who are you? Chosen of God. That's who you are. Chosen in Christ. Before the foundations of the world, I don't can't wrap my head around that. You and me, 
same verse. It's God who justifies. In the original, the way that needs to be read is this. It's important to get it. Who is going to bring a charge against you, believer? God? Is God going to move against you and accuse you and beat you down? God is the one who justifies. Believer, God is on your side. God's moving with you. God's fighting that battle on your behalf. You need to know that he's on your side. He's talking about the preparation of the gospel of peace right here. And who is the one who condemns? Satan will do that, of course. It's a rhetorical question. Would Christ do that? Is Christ the one who's going to move against you? Come on. Listen, verse 34. Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for you. And where are you? Seated with him in the heavenly realms. Paul is basically saying this, believer, he's on your side. Having been justified by faith, you have peace with him. He's not condemning you. He's not moving against you. Stand up straight in who you are. How do we fight? Stand firm. How? Satan is beaten by believing. Believe it. Never forget it. Timmy or failure. Yep, I screw up. But you know what the truth is? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who I am. You don't beat Satan by trying hard. You're just going to get the snot beat out of you trying that. Verse 35, who, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No. Verse 37, in all these things, we are more than literally overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved you. How? It comes by believing God. No matter how you feel, no matter what you see, God is at peace with you. He's not moving against you. It's the enemy. I need to stand firm. I win when I say, yes, he's on my side. Put those shoes on, stand up, immovable. The enemy is defeated by believing the truth. To fight the fight of faith is fighting to believe. It's fighting to believe. If you're going to put any energy into something, if you think, i got to try really hard, do that. Fight to believe because all our striving on our own strength and our own self-righteousness, you're just going to get blasted. Having your feet ready, preparation so that you can stand firm, no matter what comes at you, happens when I put on the gospel of peace. And if you have bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord of your life, God the Father is at peace with you. 
He's on your side. Application. Some of you this morning need to put on your shoes. Some of you, you're committed. You've given yourself to it. You're trusted in his righteousness, not your own. Yet you still find yourself slipping and sliding when the battle comes. You need to add another piece to the armor. God is at peace with you. When the enemy of your soul begins to move against you, however he comes against you, and you're getting kicked around, you need to know it's not God who condemns you. God is not the one who is accusing you. That's Satan's function. He's the accuser. He's the one who stands in the way. He's beaten by believing. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. But I'm going to pray the benediction as they're coming because I think the song that we're going to play again echoes this truth. So as they're getting strapped on, strapped in, <laughs> plugged in, powered up, Would you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer that I hope you'll make your prayer, even as I pray it. Heavenly Father, I'm all in. You called me. You chose me. I'm yours. You purchased me out of the marketplace. It cost you your son. I am no longer your enemy. I'm your child, forgiven and free. As I engage in walking a worthy walk, I'm going to do so in your power through the filling of your spirit. When the attacks come, I'm going to stand firm because I believe that the battle is already won. Greater is he that is in me than he was in the world. The cross and the resurrection settled it. And that's where I stand. Amen.